Thanks for checking out The Bridge Podcast, a ministry to St. Francis and the surrounding community. It's not a mistake you are here. We pray God speaks to you today. Service times are 9.30 and 11 a.m. Sunday mornings. Feel free to check us out at sfbridge.org. Have a life-giving week. Um, We have been in this series called Warrior, and today is part four of the Warrior series. And so what I want to do is I kind of want to recap the first three messages just to get us on the same track this morning. And uh, again, thank you very, very much um, for letting me be on sabbatical just to get uh, um, the nutrition spiritually that I needed. And I'm excited to come back full force here uh, very soon. Um, if you remember, and you're going to have to bog your mind just a little bit, but the first warrior message we looked at was really that Nehemiah was a vision warrior. He was a prayer warrior. We looked at Nehemiah chapter 1, and the last thing he said was he was the cupbearer to the king, and that brought us right into the next message, part 2 of the warrior series, that he was a sending warrior. Uh, You know, he was caring, but then he actually went. If you remember, we said, please send me. And then last time, part 3 of the warrior series, we looked at how he was a wall-building warrior and how that really meant for us. A uh, wall-building warrior is for us spiritually, just as for Nehemiah, it was physically. And where he, he really encouraged to take a stand or for us to take a stand uh, for the things of God. And so uh, before I, I go in, I know this is via video, but I want you to do one thing for me this morning. Uh, this is the last time I'll be coming to you uh, with the warrior message series. Is Can we do this? Can we give, and I know it's via video, I know it might seem weird, uh, but just, just go along with me for a moment, um, is this. On the count of three, can we just give the volunteers and the staff here and, and our elder board and everybody just a huge hand? You ready? One, two, three. I hope you did. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, they're just a great team of people that make up this church. And uh, man, it's not just a church that that uh, does things where we are the church. And so I'm just excited to, to call the Bridge Church home. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for this last message today. Uh, we're not going to get to every chapter in Nehemiah. I'm going to actually end today in Nehemiah chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, you want to go there quick and get ready. We're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 6. We're going to actually look at the first 14 verses. I want you to stay with me. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, um, you can download the Version app or look on with a friend, uh, just as we've been doing through this series. Um, before we ju- dive into chapter 6, remember all the things that have happened so far. And we've had at the beginning of Nehemiah chapter 1, God spoke to Nehemiah the, uh, what was taking place in, uh, you know, in Jerusalem. The walls were broken down. He learned this from his brother. He went and he prayed to God. And then we learned that he prayed, you know, God send me so I can go and I can fix him. He came against some opposition. And, and then after the opposition is where we find ourselves. They had been, you know, rebuilding the wall, trying to get it built, trying to take care of it. And, uh, that's where we find ourselves. Eventually we go to chapter five. Now we're not going to talk about chapter five, but chapter five deserves just a little bit of credit, actually quite a bit of credit. There in the Old Testament, many times throughout Hebrew writing, it's different than New Testament writing. It's different than our writing today in our culture. They would write with what's known as a chiasm. You can Google it if you want sometimes. It's called chiasmic writing. It's Hebrew writing. And what they would actually do is rather than having rising action, you know, in the plot and character development and then the climax and then, you know, falling action like we do, 
um, what they would have is they would have rising action and rising action, and then they would also have falling action and falling action, and then the climax would be in the middle of the book. We see this in the, the Noah story, the story of Abraham, and all of Genesis. We see this through the law many times. And actually, the entire book of Ezra and Nehemiah is a chiism. And again, for those, those of you that don't care what this is, don't even worry about it. For those of you that like to go a little deeper, you can learn about chiism. And what it is is basically, think of it like a sub-sandwich where you have You've got two, you know, basically slices of bread. I've talked to you about this before. And then in the middle is the meat. The meat is like the important part that you're to know. Now, the important part, the meat, is actually Nehemiah chapter 5. Um, and it's talking about the people started getting disturbed with each other. There was some taxation on their own people. And Nehemiah really addressed the socioeconomic status of the culture. And this was really the main theme and the main focus of Nehemiah chapter 5. And so after this, we find ourselves in, in chapter 6. So if you kind of go like this, chapter, chapter 5 is right here as the center focal point. I want you to read that on your own sometime. Chapter 6 would be right here. It's not the center focal point, but I believe there's, there's some crucial stuff I want you to learn this morning um, from chapter 6 that I believe God wants to speak to us. So we're going to pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 6. Stay with me. We're going to read the first 14 verses. So whatever you can do to, to take this in this morning, the best, feel free. If that's kicking back your legs and, and just hanging out this morning, I'm in shorts and flip-flops and I'm loving it, man. So here we go. Um, chapter 6, starting in verse 1. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, we've heard these names before, remember, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it. Come on, Nehemiah. Though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. All right, Ono or Ono or Ono, it's, who knows. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this report. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Verse 4. Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. The fifth time, Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it to be true. Who, who cares what Geshem says? That you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. I love that. He's making it up out of your head, bro. Verse 9. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I pray, now strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabal, who was shut at his home. Shut in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God, inside the temple, and let us close the temple doors, because men are coming to kill you. By night, they are coming to kill you. Verse 11, stay with me. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me, because here we go again, Tobiah and Samballot had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me, so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. 
Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet Nodiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. Again, here we see this opposition take place. We see Nehemiah rebuilding the wall and constructing it. The last time we were together, we watched as Nehemiah faced many oppositions and obstacles related to the rebuilding of the wall. Nehemiah proved himself as a confident leader and continued to press on with the vision that God had given him. That's the crucial point here this morning, is pressing on with that visionary leader who you are that God has given you. Once again, we see Samballot is trying to figure out a way to keep Nehemiah from accomplishing that vision. Once again, we see Nehemiah putting his trust in God, who gave Nehemiah the vision in the first place. And that's what he does. It's the right thing. He's not distracted by the messages or the rumors that Sanballat sends his way. And so not only is he, you know, this, this incredible, you know, warrior, this brave warrior, this sending warrior, this prayer warrior, you know, but he's a focused warrior. Nehemiah is a focused warrior. And that's where I want to camp out here this morning. So first is this. He did not get distracted. How many know life is full of distractions? It's incredibly full of distractions. I joke with people all the time when we're, you know, when we're distracted, we just say squirrel, like a squirrel moment. And if you ever wondered where that came from, if you don't know, it's one of the saddest movies I've seen. It's a Disney or Pixar movie called Up. And uh, in Up, in the beginning, there, there's a, a gentleman, him and his wife, they grow old together. And then there's this scene where he gets his dog a collar that allows the, the dog to, you're able to hear what the dog is thinking through his words. And they put the collar on the dog, and you hear the dog say throughout the entire movie when he sees a squirrel, squirrel, you know, squirrel, squirrel. And so I think sometimes we all have squirrel moments. I, I know a lot of you who do, by the way, I'm just going to say that, but what happens is when life is full of distractions, important, check this out, important things are often sacrificed for urgent things. I want to say that one more time because I don't have it written down. Write this down if you can. Important things are often sacrificed for urgent things. should be the other way around. We want to do what's utmost importance to God and what that vision is. And so let's take a brief look at basically three distractions that Nehemiah faced in these verses, okay? Uh, the first distraction was opportunities. Opportunities are a huge distraction. Every day of our lives, opportunities come along that have potential to distract us from the main thing that God has called us to do. And often, they're good things. They're not bad things. But to accomplish the important things or the most important things, we must learn to say no to some good things. And so a distraction will always look like an attraction. Did you catch that? A distraction will always be an attraction or look like an attraction. And so in Nehemiah's case, the opportunity was this meeting with Sanballat, who hated him anyway. And it turns out that this would, it would have been a good thing. But even if it had been a good thing, check this out. Nehemiah was not going to sacrifice his time finishing the wall of Jerusalem or his vision that God had given him to go and attend that meeting with Samuel. He wasn't going to let himself get distracted. He responded by saying this. He said, I am doing a great work and cannot come down. And so I, I say that for this reason. The next time that we're tempted to do something that would distract us from the vision that God has given to us, we've got to respond the way Nehemiah did and keep working towards the vision. In other words, be relentless 
Don't give up. Go after it. Stay focused. I, I know it's summer right now, and, and I want to talk about ice fishing. Don't hate me. But for me, I brought a friend of mine to a lake this year that I fish all the time. And we got out to the lake, and, and I, I was relentless, man. I wanted to catch big crappies. He comes out one time with me and catches a 15-inch crappie. You know, and I'm going, are you kidding me? And so for the rest of the winter, I was distracted by other things because I wanted to catch that giant crappie. Don't get distracted from what God has called you to do, but stay focused. Stop having the, the squirrel, squirrel, squirrel moments in that vision. Otherwise, we sacrifice the important things to do the urgent things. The other distraction is criticism. Criticism can distract. This was definitely not the first time that Nehemiah had dealt with criticism. We see that over and over in the book of Nehemiah during the reconstructing of this wall. But Samballot had criticized the vision and the workers early on, and this time it got a little personal. You know, it got a little personal between the two. Nehemiah had prayed and he asked God for strength to continue the work, and he let God do this. Rather than him get distracted, he let God worry about his reputation and he continued with the vision that God had put before him. So let me say this. Don't waste your time focusing on those who may criticize you, but pour out your heart to God instead and then get back to work. <laughs> do the vision. Here we get, we see God, we see Nehemiah praying to God again. All four of these messages about worry, we see Nehemiah praying to God every single time. That's what he's doing. I think there's a theme there throughout the book. See, here's the deal. When you lead, when God, and let me say this, as a Christian, you're called to be a leader. Okay, I firmly believe that. I believe we all have the potential to lead. I believe we all have a vision that God has given us as a visionary leader. Now we've got to be that focused warrior. Okay, We've got to be that focused warrior. So whatever the vision is that God has put on you, What's going to happen is you're going to face criticism when you start leading out that vision. Here's the deal. Everybody will love you until you lead. Okay, it's what Matt Keller says. Everybody will love you until you lead. It's a Matt Keller quote. It's a great quote. And so if you have to go, well, I don't want any criticism, then what we become is we go on the opposite end of that spectrum with the vision that God has given us of our purpose And we try to make everybody happy. We're always trying to be people pleasers. We're always trying to make sure we're not upsetting the apple cart. And uh, I'll be really honest. I I don't ever want to upset the apple cart. I I have people pleasing tendencies. And so I, I was reading a book. And here's the deal. One of the main elements of the book is that if you're a people pleaser, you're going to be pleasing everyone else. Everyone's going to have peace around you except you. Except you. And so people pleasing will eventually kill you. You know, God doesn't want that. He wants you to go after your vision. Know that there will be criticism. That will be one of the distractions. And so for for some of us, we hate criticism, especially when it's not constructive. For some of us, we even hate constructive criticism. We don't want to allow it to be a distraction. The other distraction that Nehemiah sees here is fear. Fear can be a huge distraction from what God wants to accomplish with the vision he's put on your heart. Shemaiah tried to convince Nehemiah to run and hide in fear for his life. But just as Nehemiah had not allowed opportunities or criticism to distract him, he also didn't let fear distract him from the vision. He was a focused warrior. At some point or another in our vision, we will want to run in fear. We'll want to be done. We'll think, man, all about the the what ifs. What if could happen? And we'll be afraid of failing. I've been there. But... We can't let fear distract us, okay? 
Um, there's two great people that you probably are familiar with. One is Dave, who opened up his restaurant, Famous Dave's. He didn't open up that restaurant until he was later on in life. Okay, he tried, he tried flower shops, he tried other businesses that failed. He fell fat, flat on his face every time until he got Famous Dave's right. Now he's a multimillionaire because of his franchise that he opened. The other that we all know and is Colonel Sanders. Come on, who wants fried chicken today, you know? Colonel Sanders, man, he did not open up his first KFC until he was into his late 70s. Late 70s is finally where he got his, his great recipe all together. Didn't worry about the what-ifs. Didn't worry about their age. Was focused on, on their vision for their life. You see, God always has a deeper purpose for the vision than what is visible on the surface. I want to repeat that. God always has a deeper purpose for the vision than what is visible on the surface. For Nehemiah and the people of Israel, the vision was to rebuild the wall. That was it. It was simple. We're going. We're rebuilding the wall. We're going to do this together. We're united. God's ultimate intention in rebuilding that wall wasn't just to go, wow, that's a beautiful wall. It's great. I, we can put you know, some planters here and, and some scones here. No, no, it wasn't, that wasn't the whole reason. The whole intent, the whole purpose behind it, the greater purpose that we haven't talked about yet throughout this warrior series was that God's ultimate intention was to reestablish Israel as a light to the nations. God wanted Israel to shine as his people. You know, I talk a lot about the future vision of the bridge, and I probably don't talk about it enough, but I'm always looking at what's next or what can we do. And the future vision of us as a church is really to reach 10% of our community. We want to reach 10% of our community. If you look at that, St. Francis, 7,200 people, that's 7,200 people, that's 720 people. All studies show if you reach 10% of your community, you have reached your community that can have influence above any other percentage. That's 10%. Please pray that with me. Please be a part of that. Please do your part in seeing that through. You know, we, we've looked at many different things when it comes. Do we, do we add on to the church? Do we buy or build new? Uh, we look at all of that. You know, and, and I see a church right now. I look out and we have our, our dirt parking lot that is going to be paved. And, and I pray that God uses that, that it's not just a parking lot. But I look at this wall and I'm encouraged going, Here's this wall that they built together. They saw the people of God do that. And think about the world that they see, what the people of God did in this church and now then coming together. And so I thank you for those that have been faithful to your pledges and and faithful to give to the parking lot. But I see an incredible church. I've shared this with you before, and I want to remind you of these today. I see a church that has a worldwide impact. I see a church that's more interested in the one than the many. This is why we are who we are. I see a church that's made up of real people that are in love with the real God. I see a church that opens its hearts to visitors and those who are seeking. I see a church filled with disciples who develop others. I see a church that blesses the surrounding community through outreach. I see a church that's not only wide, but is also deep. That's about truth and about grace. I see a truth, or I see a church that practices what it preaches. I see a church that's an example to other churches. I see a church that is full of life and energy and is constantly growing younger. That means you got to have more kids, by the way. I see a church that's not afraid of taking risks and wants to live without regrets. I see a church that keeps the main thing the main thing. That's Jesus Christ. I see a church that does not fear an intimate experience with the Holy Spirit. I see a church that doesn't fear intimacy with the Father. 
I see a church that does not waver on its convictions. I see a church that the community would miss if it ceased to exist. I see a church that's not afraid of God-sized dreams. I see a church with Christians committed to Christ that are not wavered in the storm. I see a church that brings about such a revival that the moment you drive through the community, you sense the presence of God. I see a church that's living its potential. I see a church that puts God at the center of every single decision. I see a church that gives beyond its human capabilities and yet still dares to try to outgive God. I see a church that lifts one another up in the bad times and rejoices with each other in the good. I see a church where people finally find a place that fits. I see a church where the kids and youth are the focus, not the afterthought. I see a church that's fully surrendered to whatever God would ask. I see a church that plants other churches and sends out leaders. I see a church of leaders that knows no limits to what they can accomplish. I see a church that does not fear but allows God's perfect love to cast out that fear. I see a church that loves you where you're at but loves you enough not to leave you there. I see a church that helps bring healing and restoration. I see a church that allows the family unit to become all it's meant to be. I see the Bridge Church. Come on, somebody. Can we lift Jesus up this morning? Come on, do that with me. Let's finish this series here this morning. Verse 15, chapter 6. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elo in 52 days. That's a miracle. Verse 16. When all of our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. You see, there is divine potential in all you envision to do. What do you envision to do or to be? Notice who gets the credit here. They rebuild this wall in 52 days. And they could have said, yeah, way to go, guys. We all did it. We had a sword in one hand and a tool in the other. Yeah, we did it. Yeah, all right. They realized, though, that God was behind it. With God's help, Nehemiah and his crew did in 52 days what many said couldn't be done at all in a lifetime. Israel's neighbors were confronted with the power and the presence of Israel's God. And so while sometimes we're consumed with the details involved in pursuing God's vision for our life, God is up to something that you may not even be aware of. There's probably a deeper reason for the vision God has given you. God ultimately wants to draw people to himself, and he wants to use you in our church to do that. We always want to give Him the glory for everything that He is doing. You see, maintaining a vision, a God-sized vision, requires us to set an adherence to a set of beliefs and convictions. If we fast forward over to chapter 13, towards the end of the book of Nehemiah, we find out this, very interesting, that Nehemiah actually goes back to Babylon, to King Artaxerxes, in whom gave him the favor to go and rebuild the wall in the first place. We don't know exactly how long he was there before he returned to Jerusalem, but we find out in chapter 13 that during the time Nehemiah went away, what happened is without vision, the people started to perish. Things changed. The people reverted back to many of the sins of the previous days. And so that brings up the last point here is that your vision or vision of God requires constant attention. See, unless we're constantly pursuing the vision, things can get off track in a hurry. Nehemiah arrived back in Jerusalem and he found what was going on. And he eventually 
being gentle and loving, reminded the people of the vision that they were there to follow their God. Okay? That's what they were to do. What well, wasn't exactly gentle? He kind of got up in their business. He actually cursed them and pulled out their hair. But I'll let you read that part in Nehemiah 13 later. See, the point is this. As their leader, he confronted the problems and he got the people back on track. And he was bold about it, to say the least. Okay? He eventually he said, the joy of the Lord is to be your strength. Nothing else. It's one of the key phrases in the book of Nehemiah. And last is this. The last thing I want to say, wrapping this whole sermon series of Warrior Together, is maintaining a vision. Being a visionary warrior so you can remain a focused warrior requires you to be bold. It requires you to take a stance for God. And so I want to say this. I, I love you. I love every person in this church. I want you to help me, first of all, with this church, win this community for Christ. I can't do it on my own, nor can you. We need to do that together. But I want to support you in the vision God has for, you, for your heart. It's one of my dreams, and I don't say it enough, one of my dreams for this church is to help other people see their dreams come true. Have an awesome week. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.